Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. Chris shares don't sweat wisdom to help you achieve greater mental health, self-compassion, and better communication with family, friends, and coworkers. Listen in and learn simple ways to live your most vibrant life of joy. And welcome back to the Don'ts with the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Before we begin with our wonderful interview today, let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So if you can, sit comfortably in a chair. And if you're doing something, just use this as a deep breathing exercise, something to get you really present and engaged in what you're doing. Otherwise, just sit comfortably, close your eyes, place your palms open on your lap, And just begin to breathe, breathing in through your nose, allowing your chest and your belly to fully expand, taking the fullness of your breath, exhaling, releasing, and letting go. Breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. Exhale, release, relax. Breathing in pure golden sunlight through every cell of your being. On the exhale, just let go of what doesn't serve you. Breathing in pure golden sunlight through your core, through your heart, through your mind. On the exhale, just drop in deeper into your breath, into your body. This time, as you breathe in pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, and spending a moment thinking of one thing you feel grateful for. And as you fill your heart and your entire body with pure golden gratitude, exhale, release, and relax. And breathing in pure golden gratitude to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. Exhale, release, and let go. And breathing in pure golden gratitude through every cell of your being. On the exhale, allow that gratitude to wash over you like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. Breathing in pure golden gratitude again, filling your entire being with pure golden gratitude. On the exhale, allow it to wash over you again, like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. And taking one last deep breath in of pure golden gratitude. When you're ready, open your eyes. Oh, wow, wow. We have an amazing guest today. Her name is Natalia Rachel. Is it Rachel? I'm going to say that. Natalia Rachel, it's right. Okay, great. (laughs) Sorry, I should have asked you that. I'll just edit that little piece out. (laughs) We have Natalia Rachel. She shares her voice to begin to remedy the world's state of hustle, trauma, bias, disconnect, and disrespect. Her insights into the human condition and our profound need for healing, self-compassion, empathy, and human connection inspire audiences to awaken their hearts, 
illuminate their patterns and step forward towards self-care and relational repair. She is a proud recipient of the Women Icons Asia Award, Emerging Entrepreneur for Social Impact in the Domain of Trauma-Informed Culture, Transformation, and Self-Mastery Education. Natalia's highly anticipated book that's out now, Why Am I Like This?, launched this year with Penguin Random House. Natalia, welcome. Thank so you for wonderful. having me. Yeah, it's so wonderful to have you. If if y'all could see Natalia, maybe you will. Maybe we'll play a little video. She's so beautiful. She's an oh. illumina. She's an illuminata herself. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, I'm so excited to have you on. I I really have been pouring through your new book. Um, and before we talk about the book, let's just talk about what your deepest message is for people because you have so much to share and. I loved everything that I read in, in your bio there, uh, especially about the human condition that we all find ourselves in now and the disconnection. And there's so much trauma in the world today. Um, and so I think that this conversation of how to heal from trauma is just so profoundly um, apropos to our times for sure. You know, I think the greatest message that I would like to share in its simplest form is in the context of trauma, you make perfect sense. There's nothing wrong with you. And I hope that connecting to this message allows anyone who connects with it to really begin to let go of the shame that often cloaks us when we're holding unresolved trauma and invites a shift towards self-compassion because our self-compassion is, I guess, the net of our healing. Um, and it's something that we have to do that shift from shame to self-compassion again and again and again. I think um, in the context of this modern world, which is a really traumatized one, so many of us are wondering, what's wrong with me? Why am I like this? Um, because, yeah, the world is not as it should be or as I believe it's intended to be. Um, let's talk a little bit about your own personal journey. I know you talk about it in your book, but if you could share with our listeners, how did you come to this work and what was your journey? Where did it start? I mean, since age seven, I knew that something wasn't right in this world. I grew up in an abusive environment, both physical and emotional. And of course, back then it was just my normal. I didn't know those words. I didn't know that there was anything different available, but I did get a sense that something was wrong. And so my little traumatized self used to sit back and watch and ponder and process and think. And I actually used to write a lot of poetry at that age, you know, very simple poetry. It started by learning haiku in my year two grade class. Um, so I knew something wasn't right, um, but it was just my life. So I learned how to get on with it. And, you know, what I did and what many of us do is we develop as a response or reaction to the trauma that we're going through, because that's the only way to survive. So unconsciously my mission became about three things one was to survive and the second was to belong um to really try and tie myself in knots to to feel connected and to be okay with my family and in the world and then the third thing that i was very um i guess adamant to do was to hide and to not let anybody see how i was really feeling which was confused and terrified and deeply lonely and brimming with shame and, and that so must have been a huge that must have been a huge protection right like you were trying to protect yourself absolutely i mean 
we've got to make it through this world somehow. So we'll find a way. And of course, all those things are largely unconscious. So back then I wasn't thinking, oh, I need to do this. It just, it just happened. That's how we'll develop. We're very smart that way, us human beings. Um, when I was a teen, I couldn't keep it in anymore. So all those protective mechanisms, or I call it an external shell, um, it started to crack. And mm. so I started getting angry and talking back to my parents and I started being disinterested in school, whereas I'd been like a straight A student before that. And so I got taken to the doctor's office and my mum was like, something's wrong with this girl, you know, make her better. And so right away I was misdiagnosed with a mental health disorder and I was put on a triple cocktail of meds. Um, and that proceeded to take me further and further away from who I was. And so I ended up leaving home and getting into some really difficult situations. Uh, and I won't express what they are because I don't want to potentially trigger the audience. Um, but after about four years of really dark times, this little voice inside my head spoke to me and it said, Natalia, this is not who you are. This is not your life. Do something. And so I did, I checked into a rehab facility and I detoxed off the meds. And that was traumatic in itself, but out the other end of it, there I was, I was diagnosis free. So the doctor said, oops, how bad, you know, we made a mistake, there's nothing wrong with you. And I was like, oh my goodness, but I didn't wanna dwell on it. So I decided to claim my life. And so I got a really great job in advertising. I got engaged, I got a cool apartment. And there was this baseline of safety that I never had before, but within that safety, and maybe in fact, because of that safety, the trauma started to show up in my body. And back then, no one was talking about trauma. So no one really knew what was going on. So what do you mean? It, what do you mean it started showing up in your body? What were the, what were the symptoms? things so, i mean the symptoms developed over 11 years the first thing to happen was my gut shut down completely oh. and i passed out the second thing to happen was one day i was sitting at my desk at work and my right foot just flopped down it dropped and it froze and i couldn't move my leg and of course i was 21 at the time and i was terrified um and so i went to the hospital and they told me i'd never walk again which as you can imagine as a young woman is awful um, but I was determined that that was not going to be my reality and non-acceptance has been a big part of my journey. And so I started to try to find ways to heal, but everywhere I looked, nothing really helped me. Sometimes things would help me feel a little bit better or cope, um, but nothing shifted. And over 11 years, the disease, the trauma traversed every system in my body. So it affected my nervous system, my immune system, my gut. My fascia, so I started bruising. Uh, my my brain became really inflamed. My lungs started having problems, um, and at the depth of the illness, I was on forty two medications a day, and I was having four intravenous treatments a week, and I was just treated like a lost cause. Oh. You know, either it's all in your head, or we don't know what's wrong with you. And a doctor literally told me if the if this illness doesn't kill you, because it seemed like it was degenerative. The medication will and i was told wow. i'd be dead before i'm 40. Oh my and gosh. so i always say there is so much power in our words they hold incredible power and especially when words are delivered through the mouths of authority so when you know a professor or a doctor tells you there's no hope when you're in this completely disempowered sick state you know you can't help but take that on as the truth and so for a time i did 
Um, and I won't get into it too much because I could be here for hours, but there was a period where my body couldn't take it anymore. And my, my trauma was determined to speak in a way that I could listen. And so there was a point where I just completely shut down and I ended up in hospital for two months, barely functioning, and then in rehab for another three, learning to walk again. And that same little voice during that time spoke to me and it said, Natalia, there's a different way to be here. You know, it's time to, to change things. And so I did. And the first thing I did was to drop all of my coping mechanisms and all of my survival tactics and to really sink into the illness and the discomfort and come home to my body. And when I started to come home to my body, all of a sudden memories of abuse and, you know, traumatic experiences started to come up and pain rose and the symptoms got more. But that little voice said, this is what you need to do. You need to process this trauma and feel it and heal. And that is the way forward. And so did, I did. So I, hmm? Did you work with somebody at this point? Is, is that or was this all intuitive on your part? It was mainly intuitive. At that time, I wasn't seeing a therapist. I was having complementary health treatments. So I was having Chinese medicine and craniosacral therapy um, and some myofascial techniques on my body because my body was very ill. I'd kind of given up on therapy at that point. I'd seen so many therapists and I always felt like no one really got me. And like, I just had this emotional wall. And that's really common of many people that I work with today. Um, they've seen so many therapists and because there's no bringing in of the trauma and the unconscious fragments of the psyche we learn how to just uh, pretend in therapy um, or we might think we understand something mentally but nothing is shifting our felt sense and our lived experience isn't shifting um so, so i do enough on therapy do you think that all of like all of the symptoms that you were having um, were because the trauma was trapped in the body and then the brain and the body were trying to wake you up to to do what the work that you did in order to free yourself from in order and I think what that's the beautiful message here um, is that when we look to the body and we say something's not right it's not always because this has just randomly happened to us. It's, it is because the body does hold every single memory that we have. And, and what you're saying makes so much sense um, to so many people who suffer chronic pain too. We've done some podcasts on this and talked about how chronic pain often is the brain's way of saying you're not safe. Yes. And so if you if you don't deal with your trauma, if you don't heal and heal from the shame of it, then it just remains dormant until suddenly it's not. And then it's just going to keep screaming at you and screaming at you yeah. like it did you. Completely. I think our body is talking to us all the time. It starts by whispering, you know, and saying, hey, excuse me, I've got something to tell you. Can you listen? And we are very good at ignoring it. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll think about it later, I'll deal with it later, or minimizing, it's not that bad, I'm fine, I can cope. Um, or some of us don't even, we can't even recognize the signals because we're dissociated. So that's common of people with trauma, but it's also common in this busy mind-oriented world. We can't tune in and listen to the signals. And the whispers get louder and louder until they are screams. And so I believe one of our biggest um, 
task is to learn to listen to the whispers of the body and decode the language of trauma so that we can heal. And so that's what I intuitively figured out how to do. And it became the basis for the way that I work with clients. And the basis for your beautiful book, Why Am I Like This? Illuminating yeah. the Traumatized Self. <laughs> so, um, so that would be then the first step for somebody would be to go and to start to feel the feelings and you could get there. I'm, I'm sure that a lot of your body work probably also opened you, you know, like when people, when you're working on the body, suddenly the body, then, you know, the mind opens to whatever's trapped in there. It, your body just starts to, um, you create emotion or, or motion comes out. And I've had that happen on the massage table before, or um, I've been working on somebody who used to be a massage therapist and I would work on somebody and they would start to cry. And is that, and is that what started to happen for you, your memories? And then, and then what was the next step? Absolutely. So I was on a treatment table and there's something really powerful, A, about having the attention brought to the body if we're dissociated and B, feeling safe within a relationship dynamic. So those are the two things that will invite the trauma to start processing. So that's what happened to me in a bodywork session. But unfortunately, it wasn't really safe because the therapist wasn't really trauma informed. And so I was on the table feeling safe. And then all of a sudden these memories started coming and this emotion started coming, but I didn't feel safe to show it. Um, mm. Cause I was like, what's happening? And this is a really common thing and it's actually called re-traumatization. So I sort of gulped it down, braced my body, let the session play out, said, thank you very much, bye-bye. And then I walked out onto the street and I was on Orchard Road, which is a really famous big um, strip in Singapore. And I just started bawling and bawling and feeling so confused. Um, and that memory kept playing in my mind uh, for two weeks. But it was that that showed me all of a sudden, okay, I need to do something with this. And that's when my intuitive process started. And I actually then spent four months every day feeling into different parts of my body connecting to the emotion that was there and then letting it organically link to the traumatic experience and then i would cry oh. and i would arrive um, and i would cough and i would scream and then i would wrap myself up in bed and shake um and actually at sounds the time, like me when i was grieving <laughs> yeah but i think we need to learn to do it yeah yeah those all those things I did all of those things in deep grief. <laughs> I think we we have so much to let out. We we deny our expression of our emotions, and then they get packed away. And so for me at that time, I was in my early thirties, so I had thirty something years of trauma to process. And so that's how it began. And as I continued to release and to I guess reconnect my body, and my mind, my symptoms started to disappear. At the same time, I also made an executive decision to just completely go cold turkey off all of my meds, which no one was very happy about. Uh, but I felt so committed to my process and I've all of a sudden developed this trust. And I talk about this, this part of the self as the conscious healing self. So there are all these parts of me that were terrified and confused, but this one part of me um, was like, no, I'm leading you now. And I trusted it for the probably oh the first God. time. Yeah. Do you, um, 
were you reading any books? Were you like, what, you know, what was, because I just find it so amazing that you were that age and you took yourself on this journey. I mean, of course you had the deep motivation of wanting to get better and, yes. and, and live a, a, a good life, which was staring you in the face, obviously. And then in, and all of that, but what books were you reading? What, what was, what else was helping to guide you along? so much so i was kind of in in a phase of also really exploring meditation and energy and healing and all of this thing so i was reading actually a book by louise hay and i was yep. reading a book by carla mclaren uh, which was all about your auras and your chakras and i was also really connecting deeply to the wisdom of the kabbalah which is sort mm -hmm. of pr the esoteric roots of judaism and christianity um, so i was reading a lot about spirituality and healing and energy um, and i think those things i think they gave me hope and peace and safety and a different way to look at things, you know, aside from the very medical mental health background that I was in. Um, and I was also beginning to explore working with touch and working with crystals and working with nature. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of spirituality um, for me at that time. And I think that helped me to trust myself. Yeah, I mean, I think also when we're recovering from anything, whether it's addiction, trauma, um, anything in our lives, loss, um, or even just recovering from, you know, the, the lack of um, connection to our own self, our own spirit, our higher self. It's that beautiful uh, reconnection that creates the healing, isn't it? And, and that realization that we aren't, we, you weren't your trauma, that wasn't you, that was what happened to you. Maybe it even happened for you now, but at the time you had to go back and uncover it, like excavate it, correct? Absolutely. You have to like de-layer, um, you know, and sort through all of the noise and the junk that was not me. Um, right. And I think, you know, I always felt, and again, this is a super common experience. I felt like the me that the world is seeing and that I'm presenting is not who I really am. Like there's this disconnect, but I just couldn't find or present myself and it was through this de-layering and uncovering and releasing of the trauma that i could learn who i really am which is a beautiful amazing human who has an incredible power and i think all of us are that um, but we all have this work to do of um uncovering the trauma and the bias and the relating patterns that block us from being the beautiful humans that we are yeah, I mean, so much of our lives are spent reclaiming ourselves, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> it's kind of a funny thing. You know, you're, you're born and you're born beautiful and whole and complete. And then you spend the rest of your life going, trying to get back to what that original essence is, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I know in my own personal story, I didn't ever really even realize how much I was holding life versus living life until my husband died. And then I was just so cracked and just so completely shattered that I started to I started to feel life in such a profound way that I had been blocked from feeling, you know. And maybe it was some kind of trauma. I hadn't have that. I didn't have that same kind of traumatic childhood, but I'm sure I had trauma. I think we all carry um, forms of trauma through our lives, whether we recognize it as such or not. Um, but I definitely relate to 
the inability to express, you know, that, that inability to truly feel that I could express even the deepest joy that I had at sometimes, you know, like I was wondering why Richard, he could cry at jo in joy. And I was like, I can't cry in joy. What's wrong with me? <laughs> you know, but I was disconnected from that part of myself. And then suddenly um, his death just woke me up um, to so much. And suddenly I could cry and I could cry for all the years that I never cried. And I could feel and I could feel for all the years I wouldn't allow myself to feel. And I realized that um, the trauma of loss actually broke me open to living so much greater and so much joy and coming back into a, a place of wholeness, but only in the healing part. So we had talked about early on talking about um, loss and the arc of loss. And it does sound so similar to the healing of a, you know, of a traumatic past, doesn't it? Going through yeah, I mean, grief processing our grief for our loss is a big part of trauma but i think it's also just part of the fundamental experience of human life you know we yeah. are losing things all of the time yeah. and i believe um grief or loss exists on a spectrum or an arc um so we move through the arc from loss to desire because when we're grieving something and we're acknowledging that loss we're also acknowledging how important that person or experience or thing is to us. So as we grieve, if we expand ourselves to traverse the arc, we will actually move into a state of generation and transformation and creation. So we can learn to, to create again. But I think so many of us get stuck in the loss part and the, the where we're just, you know, swathed in sadness. Um, and I think when we expand our mind to acknowledge the arc, we can move into this very generative space. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I've, I've seen so many people um, when they do get stuck, you know, they get stuck on that arc and, and it's, it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard to get them, you know, even to understand how to get unstuck, but always for me, it's always about going back to the feelings and it's also going back to the body and listening to the body and, um, and then allowing yourself to express those feelings, just like you said in your mm -hmm. healing. And then, and then each time you do that, each time you allow yourself to go to those places, even as difficult as they are, you follow those threads, then you come out and you come out every time. And you're, it's like that layer has, you know, you've gone one layer, you've let go of one layer and there might be yes. another and another and another. And then someday, you know, I mean, people always say, well, how do you know when it's done? And then it's like, you just know, you know, you just kind of just know that feeling and it must have happened for you as you healed trauma that you were out like you, you were like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm, this is, I'm out now. Yeah, I, I think in and out in, I guess. Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> it's in. like, yeah, it's a complex layered dance. So I think there's, for me, I'm still crying, you know, I'm still processing and grieving. I'm not done. But I have reached a space where it's very graceful and contained yeah. and welcome. Um, so I will still have days where I cry for the lost years, you know, or the life I could have had if I didn't have this traumatic past 
or I'll have a memory of something bad that's happened. And um, often the grief will come when I acknowledge the lack of love, support and care that was there, but it's really contained and it's gentle and I welcome it. And as I grieve, I'm also able to feel incredibly grateful for how far I've come. And so I guess that's for me, the that's the part where I see there's this shift where the grief and the gratitude can sit together. And so there's no more destabilizing, you know, wailing or inability to function in my life. Grief has now just become this very welcome part of my life. And I, I wish for all of us to live that way because uh, we're always losing things. There's going to be death. There's going to be loss. There's going to be letting go. So if we can really welcome it, the, the game of life changes. It does. It does. It gets so much richer, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And like you say, it illuminates it, it illuminates the self. I'm just going to um, let everyone know that they can, about your book, it's called Why Am I Like This? Illuminating the Traumatized Self, Natalia Rachel, and you can get it on Amazon. We'll put the link in um, the show notes. And so Rachel, what would be the parting, what would be your parting wisdom that you'd love to share with our listeners today? So much of healing trauma is about learning all the ways that threat and exclusion have shaped us and the survival techniques that we've had to take on in order to survive and acknowledging that these are no longer helpful and in order to heal and move on, it's literally about bringing down all of these blocks um, that keep us from being who we really are and connecting to people with love and kindness. Oh, I love that. And tell us where our listeners can find you online. What is your website called? So you can find me at nataliarachel.com um, or on Instagram or LinkedIn. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to meet you and to see your lovely, beautiful, illuminated <laughs> face. and. <laughs> And just hear what you have to say. Healing trauma really is what we do for ourselves, but we also heal the world when we heal ourselves, don't we? Mm, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me in the beautiful conversation. Thank you. All right, everyone. You have um, been listening to Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff. This is Christine Carlson. Please share this with your family and friends and come back again. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author Christine Carlson. You're invited to join Christine at one of her upcoming retreats in California, including her popular What Now Women's Retreat at Sea Ranch and her new Revive and Thrive Mental Health and Wellness Retreat at Mount Shasta. Get all of the retreat details today at christinecarlson.com.